Welcome to Type Tune Tint. I'm Tom Kranz. I love my teacher. My guest for this episode is teacher and first-time author Sabine Posey. Her children's book, Nate and Harry Are Great Friends, was inspired by the real-life friendship between her son and a boy in his preschool class. Both Sabine and her children are veterans of virtual learning during the COVID-19 pandemic, and we'll talk about the lasting effects of that period as we review her book. I love my teacher. And I'm joined right now by Sabine Posey uh, from her palatial estate in uh, Union County, New Jersey, as I am in mine in uh, Fanwood, New Jersey. Sabine, how are you doing today? Hi, how are you doing, Tom? Thank you for inviting me. Oh, of course. Winter has finally arrived, right? It was like yes. <laughs> five days ago, it was 80 degrees, and today it's 32 when I woke up 32, here. I know. In New Jersey. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, so I met Sabine at... Um, the IABX Writers Expo, which was uh, an exposition of mostly independent authors uh, held at Kane University here in Union County, New Jersey at the end of September. And this was basically imagine a huge hall with about 60 authors all, you know, kind of uh, making their books available and talking to people interested in their books. And I stopped by because I was eyeballing uh, Sabine's table from across where I was sitting and I know that uh, children's books, which is what we're going to talk about today, is a really, really popular genre, not only in general, but at these at these exhibitions, because anybody with especially little kids, there's a book that can talk to almost any subject that you're thinking about. Right. Yeah. And uh, Sabine, I'm, I'm just guessing, uh, but you talk in this book, we're talking about Nate and Harry are great friends, folks. Uh, this is Sabine's book that she was selling children's book. And instead of me talking, uh, why don't you first tell me what uh, what's the book about and what's the, yeah, what's the book about? Let's start with that. Uh, well, the book is, was inspired by uh, my four-year-old son um, at that time. Uh, his name is Nathaniel. Um, he's now six, um, but at the time, um, and also, I also want to mention that I have a daughter as well. I have my eight-year-old, and um, it was really inspired because my daughter, uh, she's always been, um, she, yeah, ever since she was a baby, a toddler, she was a social butterfly, you know, she made friends easily, she had uh, cousins around her age that um that she had play dates with so you know seeing her development socially i just assumed that my 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 son would also uh be you know similar and um but it was the opposite for my son my 4 year old son he um he really struggled socially um he was very clingy just shy um, like just a shy kid basically yeah, extremely shy extremely shy and i just couldn't wait for him to start school mm. and i just thought you know that would be the it would be a great opportunity for him to um you know uh, play with his peers and kind of learn about yeah come yeah. out yeah come out of shell a bit when he first got to school he uh, developed a friendship you know he made his first friend um and his name was harry their friendship was very inspiring. It was very inspiring because, you know, um, I guess because I was, you know, as a mother, I did worry that, you know, that the social development was going to be impacted, but it didn't. And, you know, he made 
friends with Harry. They helped each other um, to kind of, they encourage each other. They, they basically help each other develop social skills. This was good for Nate because he made a friend and it helped him come out. And did you actually see a difference in him then in his behavior? You know, as a teacher, I, you know, just the pureness of their friendship, the pureness of their love, almost, it's like no matter where they were in the building, it was during after dismissal, when they're going home or during drop off, you know, they would greet each other with the biggest heartwarming hug and you know they would (laughs) they were like really inseparable they 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 really uh were uh, were drawn to each other and um, don't you wish uh, certain adults would act that way exactly and you know it leave it to children to kind of teach us you know there's so much bigger things you know (laughs) did you actually teach from home yes i taught by this by zoom basically yeah by zoom virtually i taught and let me tell you teaching virtually you know, is one of the hardest for me. It's one of the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And, um, you know, just, it was the hardest thing trying to get my son at the time. He started a three-year-old program, a pre-K three-year-old program. And they also had virtual learning. And it's, it was the hardest thing trying to get a three-year-old to sit still in front of, uh, uh, this, you know, the, the screen and no, engage. <laughs> and engage with other students his age and and my daughter um you know at that time was five and she was uh, she was also doing virtual learning and and she she's a a kid that likes movement you know she's a social butterfly she likes to move around all of that and it was very hard trying to get them to sit in front of this a screen all right so but the theme of the book it's very the book is really simple each page is basically very simple yes sentences and by the way, who did the illustrations? I did. I do art as well. And, you did uh, all these drawings? Yes, I did. Wow. You rock. Oh, <laughs> uh, thank you. Actually, those were my rush drawing because honestly, the book was uh the book was really a gift um because Harry was moving and um we wanted to capture that friendship in in words and in, in pictures. And so I created the book. And it really it was something that um uh, it, it, I, I didn't even, ha- it, it wasn't in, even in my, um, my plans to even publish it, but, you know, it was just a little gift for Harry when he, he you know, as he moved. And, um, so we, I kind of rushed the pictures, the pictures were done. I started, uh, doing, I started writing this book, like, uh, 11 o'clock at night, didn't finish it till like two o'clock in the morning. So oh, you <laughs> the did pictures, it all in one, you did it all in one sitting. I did it. I, in one shot, I mean, the, the words, I kept on playing with the words for a couple of days, mm-hmm. but as far as the drawing, you know, um, I, I don't really do stick figures, but anyway, I, I, I wanted to put, you know, use that sort of image to kind of, uh, make it simple. And, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I, it came out good, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You should be proud. I mean, I, I've interviewed a couple other, um, children's yeah. book authors who also do the artwork. Was this your first book? The first time you ever tried doing a book? Yeah, this, this was my first book, my first, um, wow. my first published book. Um, but you. yeah, but I'm not new to writing though. I, um, you know, I've always enjoy writing and, you know, um, I, I consider myself a natural storyteller. I, you know, I've, um, you know, I, I, I tell stories, not just through words, but also through art. And, um, so this book was the first, uh, book where I actually, 
you know, went went ahead and published it. But yeah, I, I'm not new to writing. So you basically wrote this thing in one sitting, although you did play with the words later on. Does that mean, did you do the the drawings and the and the writing simultaneously or did you do one first or how'd you do that? Um, the drawing came first. Yeah, it came first and then, you know, followed by the words. So you did all the drawings first and then did a story to match them? Yeah, I had the words in my head. You know, I was just playing around with how the words would, you know, should it rhyme? Should You know, in my head I had it. Uh, but as far as, you know, the picture was the first thing that kind of. Did you do any research on children's books on like, you know, how to do them and how to format them or anything like that? Or you no. just basically went from the gut? I just went <laughs> for it. Good for you. That means you didn't spend a thousand dollars on somebody else's knowledge that probably wouldn't have done you any good anyway. Yeah. <laughs> good for you. Yeah, this is great. I, I I was really impressed. So the book, I guess you're selling the book. Or is it on um, the usual places like Amazon and whatnot, or do you have a website or where? Um. Yes, it's on Amazon. It's on. It's in uh, Barnes and Noble. It's in okay. also in Ingram. Um, right. Uh, and also you could get it from the, uh, I, I've worked with the publisher. Uh, Arch That's Archway, right? Yeah. Okay. So they have it on a website. Do you have your own website? Yes, I do. I, my website is sabineposey.com. Yeah. Um, wow. You can order the book from there as well. Um, yeah. It's pretty much anywhere books are sold. Yeah. It's great. I, I like it because it's simple and it will hold the attention of even yes. the squirmiest three or four year old, I'm guessing. Yes. And hopefully their parents as well. It's always good to have parents read, <laughs> read to their kids, you know, more with Sabine Posey in just a minute. We failed to halt the Earth's slow death due to climate change and environmental apathy. The planet's temperature rose seven degrees, causing epic storms, fires, droughts, and tides that ate away at our shores. Now in the year 2212, food is manufactured. Coffee and cars are illegal. The people who are left live in cubes, and the Earth is covered with bubbling lakes of a black, toxic brew. Two 23rd century rebels find a way to travel back in time to our century to stop the poisoning in its tracks and the arrogance that made it possible. Their mission is complicated by fear among their 21st century hosts and the murderous ways of one of the rebels. Read Time Travel Rescue, the sci-fi adventure called Unique and Original by Publishers Weekly. Time Travel Rescue by Tom Kranz, available on Amazon. And I'm back with Sabine Posey, uh, author and public school teacher uh, here in my uh, state of New Jersey. So um, when I guess you kind of answered the next question, which I which I had, which is when do you when did you find time to write this? You're a mom. You've got two young kids. You got a full time job, which and if you're a public school teacher, that means the job doesn't end at four o'clock when class is over. I'm sure you take work home with you much to your chagrin. And uh, how did you do that? Did you just, I mean, you said you, you did the book in one sitting, but you must've had ideas for it as you went along. Yeah, I had ideas. I, I, I like I said, I had ideas. Uh, I was playing with the words for, I think a couple of days. It's, it's the pictures that came um, naturally. I mean, naturally I, I, I'm an artist, I draw and, you know, so it, 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 it was that, that came first. And, um, and it really, uh, there, as a teacher, you really don't have time, you know, busy mom. I don't. And, and when I work, um, my work is after my kids go to 
go to bed. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, that explains what you said before. You basically did this late at night, right? Yeah, it's, that's when I do work. My work, yeah, my writing is during late at night. Wow. And, um, you know, I, I I wanted to do this because I really wanted to capture that 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 friendship and capture that. How do you do your drawings? Do you do them digitally, or do you do you actually do like a watercolor on a piece of paper? Or how do you do them? Um, no, I just hand uh, draw. Um, I I want to learn how to do digitally. That's something that I'm interested in. But yeah, I just basically just freestyle hand draw. So these drawings were all actually on hard copies, like on paper. Yeah. And then you submitted them to the publisher and they made them, they made yeah. them into pages essentially. Yeah, actually the book that I had, the book that I created as a present um, had uh, the pictures, originally oh. had the pictures, yeah. Okay. Are you, is, uh, is Nate still in touch with Harry? Do you guys, are they communicating? No, not at the moment. <laughs> You're a public school teacher. Tell us what grades you teach and what you teach. Okay. Um, I teach, I'm an ESL teacher. I teach grades three to five. Um, and ESL I, stands for English as a Second Language. Yes, ESL. I learned for the first time in my 68 years of life that if you teach English as a Second Language, you don't necessarily have to know what the language of the the native language of the kids is. Correct? Tell me more about that. So, um, what is your specialty? So, your your kids are mostly what what language do they speak? Well, in my district, we have our ESL department have different magnet program that targets different languages. Um, you know, our biggest um, our biggest magnet program is the the Spanish. Uh, uh, you know, we cater to the Spanish program, and we also have uh, you know smaller minority programs like uh, we have uh, Polish program, we have the Haitian Creole program. So we have teachers that that can uh, accommodate students in those language. And I happen to be in the Haitian Creole program. And um, so I help accommodate students that transfer that need help with that language. But mostly um, I work with uh, several other you know, students from all over um, because it is an ESL program and we, our instruction is in ESL, is in English. So um all right, yeah. so that so we're getting to the, the the nut here because I always thought that if you're an ESL teacher, English as a second language, you have to be fluent in the native language of the kid. Uh, and you're basically telling me that that's completely myth. No, <laughs> you not just happen to speak Haitian Creole, which is essentially a variation of French, correct? Yeah, but French, you could also yeah. teach kids who are Polish speakers and German speakers and Spanish speakers because the class is conducted primarily in English, right? We are teaching them uh, grammar, vocabulary, all in English. And another another thing that there's a misconception that communication is simply just language, you know, uh, verbal language. Communication is also nonverbal. Actually, Mm -hmm. it's the biggest, it's 95% (laughs) part of communication. So in that aspect, you know, I'm able to um, work with several different languages um, and um, the students are able to follow along. And, you know, and, and it's, I think it's in my experience, I think it's best when we start with um, the, the English language. The kids are if the kids are younger, is it do they think they pick it up more quickly or does it get harder as they get older because that age, those ages are kind of close together. Maybe it doesn't make that yeah. much difference. Um, kids, yeah, especially with younger kids, they naturally pick up language um, very easily. You know, you mm. can, I have kids um, that could come in um, 
like today. And, uh, you know, if I have had experience with kids that come in like one day in the next couple of weeks, they are uh, speaking English and, you know, they are uh, and uh, being able to communicate, being able to wow. do uh, follow routine, just like kids in the classroom. And sometimes a lot of these kids, it also depends on the child's personality. If you have a very outgoing and social kid, they will pick up the language very easily. Um, and, you know, we have uh incidents where kids sometimes fool teachers think you know where teachers think they know more um but in actuality they don't because social language is the first language that we learn you know, i always use this this example like for example imagine you uh go to france um you know uh you have to eat <laughs> you have to uh 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 follow the routine of the class you know you have to do you have to do normal daily things right. and you know in, you will pick up the language because you have to do these things and right. that's how it is with ESL you will pick up the social language that's the first language to emerge you must feel really good about you know about that when you see a kid who comes in and basically doesn't speak anything yeah and you know a month later you're you're chit-chatting and you know he's he's learning and that exactly. that's like that's that's cool it is. It is very cool. And another thing, you know, when, you know, you have kids that, especially with the elementary level, kids pick up language very easily. And again, like I said, it's based on the personality. Mm -hmm. And, you know, parents also have to be very mindful because at that age, they can easily lose their language as well. As mm -hmm. as fast as they could pick it up, they will easily lose it. So, so you got to use it or lose it, just that, like the exactly. cliche says, right? <laughs> wow. All right. Now let's talk a little bit about COVID. So, you know, the schools were locked down, kids were home, this whole virtual learning thing started. And I guess the the kind of the debrief of that at the end of, once that was done and everybody kind of got back to normal, there seems to be a consensus that virtual learning was really not a great thing. Uh, that it, it in a lot of cases the kids kind of reverted back. They they maybe took one or two steps back socially, and then they had to kind of start all all over again in the classroom. Did you find that to be true? My experience, like I said, because I I was home and I had my kids were home as well. We were all under the same roof trying to do virtual learning, and you know it was nice that we were able to, um you know, we were, we were able to connect with our, um, colleagues. We we're able to connect with the students you saw in the screen, you have about 30 something students in your screen. And, you know, my, my kids as well, they were able to connect, uh, virtually with peers, but even though we were able to, to see each other, um, there was a big disconnect. Um, and the disconnect was the human connection. Hmm. And, um, and I think what, COVID taught me is how we, we need each other more than we think we do. Mm -hmm. And um, that, yeah, that was one of the biggest things I learned, you know, not, you know, as, as a, as a teacher and also as, as a person that um, yeah, we need that connection. We need that human connection. So by the human connection, we're talking about, I guess, what you mentioned before, nonverbal communication, uh, you know, being eye to eye with somebody actually 12 inches from you instead of in a different school district or whatever. And do you think that that's more pronounced in kids than in adults? That deficit? That deficit, yes, because kids need that social um, component to develop. That's 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 just naturally they need that. And um, 
and this is why we we're seeing so uh you, you know some issues because of that disruption children need friends they need to um connect with peers and see how other students handle things they need to understand different perspective they need to learn how to share and and the way we do that is by connecting with other people and um so yeah that's a, that that's a big uh component in in children development are you seeing effects even today you know a year and a half two years after the pandemic is over. Do you still see yeah, kids you still see kind of catching effect. up, I guess? Yeah, there's a lot of catching up to do. You do see effect, you know, kids, you know, the social uh development is it's um for 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 certain kids it, it, it lags behind. There are kids that they don't know how to control their emotions, they don't know mm. how to manage, you know, um, even as you know, small kids, something as simple as sharing, that is something that that's very hard for them to learn because there was that disruption for almost a year. I'm trying to visualize as a teacher, you know, waking up at, you know, opening up your laptop at eight o'clock in the morning and being confronted by a screen full of 30 little faces, all this big who are in various states of waking up and maybe not waking up. And, and you do that, you did that like five days a week, basically. Yeah, I did that five days a week. Yikes. I, I don't know. That's like, I mean, sometimes when I, I, in my past life, when I was on Zoom meetings, you know, if I've got three people on a Zoom call, it's like, I can't wait for this to be over, you know. <laughs> so it must have been really something, huh? Yeah, it was really something. And, you know, and to add to it, mother, your, you know, mommy duty, you know, in mm. between... And in between my, you know, my students working, I have to go um, because my kids all had different schedules during virtual. And, you know, I had to go do snack. I had to go. Do, it, it was a lot. It was, you know, it was it was hectic. And it, what I mostly remember about it, though, it's it was isolating. Mm-hmm. I saw kids. I saw teachers. I saw and I saw it was very isolating and depressing a bit. <laughs> How did you guys. So did. Both of your, while you were doing virtual as a teacher, both of your kids, or maybe just the older one, they were doing virtual learning as well. Yeah, they were doing. And so, what you did that on two different computers in two yeah. different rooms or something? Yeah, we 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 did it in two different rooms, you know. Um, and you know, I had so many people that helped me, you know, that you know, was there with my kids, but it it was just it was very difficult because you had your kids in the other room and um you you worried about what you know what they're what they're doing because i know with my they were little their attention span was very short mm. and um i also i've experienced it, it with my own classroom the kids their attention span was very short as well so it was a, it was a difficult time for a lot of teachers yeah all right well it's over but um i guess what i'm hearing is and i've heard this from others too that there's still this whole catching up thing is still going on. It doesn't happen yeah, overnight. But, and so what is your next book going to be? Um, you know, I want to focus on something that's very important, something that could teach children how important and, and wonderful this all of this is, you know, our grand, our great universe, you know, something in that area I want to do. And, yeah, we um, need that. And they're yeah. going to need it going forward because – you know, watching the news, I try not, I was in the news business for 30 years and I've been a news junkie ever since I was a kid, but I, I, I'm having trouble the last month or so watching the news because it's all horrible. It is all horrible. It's all horrible. 
it's not just here. It's it's around the world. It's just, I mean, I don't want to get into it, but yeah. all I can say is that this is a, a good time to present positive stories and positive exactly. mentorship and role models to kids anyway. So Sabine, I appreciate you joining me once again, folks. Sabine Posey, P-O-S-Y, Nate and Harry are great friends. This book is available in a number of places. Uh, I'm going to put all the links to all those stores in the um, show information for this. And Sabine, uh, I wish you nothing but the best. And God bless you for doing, uh, you know, the hard work of being a a teacher in the uh, 21st century. Thank you so much, Tom. I appreciate it. Three, two, one. Class dismissed. The Earth is dying a slow death. The 5,000 people living on the moon are in trouble. Their paradise has become a cautionary tale of human weakness. We need a hero. Enter Rick Mack and the Planetary Commission to save the Earth, the moon, and themselves. Moon Rescue. Escape from the Dome by Tom Krantz. Now available in ebook, paperback, hardback, and audiobook. These are the questions explored in the podcast, Type Tune Tint. Tom Kranz chats with writers, musicians, and artists, most of whom found their talent by accident, late in life, or hiding under layers of denial. Subscribe to Type Tune Tint wherever you get your podcasts.